Good afternoon. It is 2.01 p.m. Central Time. I'm Leon Davis, and you're listening to Altitude Adjustment, the weekly podcast about people, politics, and professions. And today we've got uh, a special guest. We've got Jim Judge from the Better Business Bureau. We're going to be talking about um, charity fraud. That's coming right up. Welcome to Altitude Adjustment. Excellent. Thank you very much for joining us this afternoon, Jim. Uh, sure. Thanks for having me. Oh, it is truly our pleasure. Uh, one of the things that uh, we're going to talk about uh, definitely is cha uh, charity fraud. <laughs> you sure. know, so many things going on, my mind just went completely blank. So I'm going to actually let Leonard introduce you directly. Did you, did you get like information on Jim, uh, Leonard? Uh, not much, but we'll go, we'll go with what we got. Okay. You want him to introduce uh, himself? I can introduce myself if you like. Okay. Go ahead, Jim. Give you, give you a good you idea. Huh? Sure. So, uh, I, I work with the Better Business Bureau and, uh, my capacity is, uh, the manager of our charity information service and our charity information service who most of the time when people think of better business bureau you're thinking of uh, filing a complaint about a company that made you mad uh, but bbb actually has a, a lot of services it provides to the public and these are all free of charge uh, one of the services that we provide is the charity information service where we uh, put together reports on uh, charities that are getting inquiries into our database so if people are calling about a specific charity we reach out to the charity, try to get them to complete uh, an uh, interactive online questionnaire. And then we put a report together based on what they submit through that questionnaire. Uh, just to give you an idea, some of the other things BBB does, we, if, you, if you do use uh, our complaint processing service uh, and go through that uh, department, then if initially the complaint can't get resolved just with a little back and forth, we do have mediation services available. We offer arbitration services. Uh, we are also involved in advertising review where you see ads online, in the newspaper, on TV. Uh, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is kind of stuff. Uh, so we, we have a variety of services we provide. The complaints is just one facet. Uh, most of the people calling us are, are calling to check out a business or a charity before they do business with them. Excellent. Uh, oh, sorry, but that gets to me specifically about me. Uh, I've been with the BBB almost 20 years now. Uh, I work as a consultant now for multiple Better Business Bureaus. And uh, with the St. Louis office, I'm involved very heavily. And um, I, I actually was uh, the one that started the St. Louis charity program. And so we've, we've expanded to a point where we're at uh, about 1,500, a little more than 1,500 reports on nonprofits. And uh, we have uh, many, many accredited charities. So when we do these charities, when we do the evaluations, if they meet all of our standards, we have uh, 20 standards we use. If they meet all of those standards, they're considered to be accredited. And um, it's not easy. I'm not going to tell you that it's, uh, you know, it's like a lot of certifications where you pay money and you get a, a stamp. You know, we do ask a lot of questions. We look at a lot of information. Uh, we look at tax forms, audits, board attendance, you name it. Uh, and put together a, a pretty a really good holistic overview of a charity that donors can be uh, able to make a wise giving 
decision based on that report. So that's that's what I do. I'm I'm the, the charity guy, I guess you could say. So okay, now what's the difference? I'm sorry. Go, well, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. What's the difference between a charity that the BBB would list as accredited as opposed to one that's not? I don't want to disparage small charities or new charities or anything by saying that, you know, only the only uh, legitimate organizations out there are accredited by, you know, BBB or, or other entities that are out there. I'm, I don't want to say that. What I What I will say is, I guarantee you, if a charity is accredited through Better Business Bureau, that they are—they have their ducks in a row. They're very organized. They have proper policies and procedures in place to uh, meet all of our standards. Which you know, conflicts of interest, CEO performance review, measuring their own effectiveness. Uh, we have f uh, financial criteria that they have to meet, uh, and and in some cases, not exceed certain percentages for how much they spend. Uh, so it's it's. You're looking at a deeper dive, I think, when you're looking at a charity that's uh, accredited by BBB. There, that's not to say that there isn't organizations that are really well run that aren't accredited. They've just decided that uh, it's not something they wanted to do, or uh, for whatever reason. But uh, I'd say the the biggest difference is I can't speak for all charities, but I can with the charities that we accredit. I can tell you, you're going to be giving to a well run organization. Okay. So yeah, and sometimes it, even when we start this process, we will get inquiries. We'll get donors calling in about new charities, about um, charities that might just be starting up, and they've never heard of them before, so they want to check them out. And a lot of those organizations we reach out to and say, "Hey, we don't have a report on you, but here's what our process looks like. What can we do to help you?" When we walk new charities through this process we tell them it's this is a baseline set of best practices you can use to build your organization so doing some things that you might not think of doing uh, in a lot of cases brand new organizations are run on a lot of emotion you have people that really have a lot of uh get up and go when it comes to a specific topic they want to they want to serve that particular purpose and we're all for that but there needs to be some some business acumen behind it. You have to have some knowledge. You have to to know what's required, whether it's through the government, through you know legally what's required by the organization, or what's just generally considered a best practice uh, in the sector. So we're able to kind of do some handholding for them and get them down that path. So and I've seen it a bunch of times where organizations we accredited ten years ago, fifteen years ago, uh, are now big and doing quite well. So it's it's kind of cool to see and and to watch the growth. And I always love telling stories about organizations like that. Uh, when you look at our standards, you'd think you know, this might be something that's a little bit out of reach for a, a smaller organization. But the reality is, I just did an update report on a small local organization and their revenue is under $10,000 a year. So that's a small organization. Um, we also have organizations that are bringing in hundreds of millions of dollars. So uh, yeah, if, if we can usually work with the newer groups um, and, and try to help them through the process. Okay. So now the complaint process, um, someone, so if, if, they, if they have a complaint against a non-accredited 
um, charity, how do, what happens then? We would still process it. So we have uh, pretty much any anybody that gets a complaint, it doesn't matter what kind of organization you are, whether you're a, a for-profit or a non-profit, if we get a complaint that's within the uh, our purview as far as what we would take, then we would process the complaint. We'd add them to the database and process the complaint. And uh, you know, some of the things that we couldn't process would be along the lines of like allegations of illegal activity, like this person uh, stole, I don't know, my car or something like that. If if you're alleging an actual criminal activity, then that's law enforcement. You need to go that route. BBBs. Uh, a lot of people think BBB is involved somehow with uh, with law enforcement. While we do work with them and we share our information when necessary, and we do alert law enforcement to uh, to fraud and scams, BBB is not a charity or a um, um, we're not law enforcement ourselves. We are actually considered a 501c6, which is a uh, similar to a chamber of commerce, I guess you could say. Uh, if you look at nonprofits, there's uh, under Internal Revenue Code uh, 501. There's multiple C designations. When we look at charities, we're looking at 501c3s, uh, public entities. Mm -hmm. And then uh, C6s are going to be trade associations. And then there's all kinds of other ones. I think there's 50-something, uh, if not more, designations under uh, 501. So uh, yeah, that kind of a, a one of the notes I had to mention, it, when you do get calls from charities or somebody wants you to donate to them, uh, understand that the only organization, the only type that you can give to uh, that is um, actually tax deductible is going to be a 501c3. Uh, so somebody can be nonprofit, but donations are not necessarily tax deductible. If you were to donate to BBB, uh, if you didn't donate to a 501c3 foundation that we had, uh, which we do have, but um, if you donated to the C6, it wouldn't be tax deductible. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, it gets a little confusing. It's kind of, there's a lot of uh, uh, the legal jargon and, and stuff, but uh, you know, in general, when you donate, if you, if you donate to a, a public charity like your United Ways, American Red Cross, things like that, those are 501c3s. Those are typically what you're going to want to donate to. Well, you just uh, educated me. I didn't know anything about 501c6. <laughs> yeah, there's a bunch of them. Those are the most those are the most common the the C3s which is your general charity and then uh C6s which like I mentioned typically chambers of commerce um trade associations and then another one that you'll see a lot of another one that does a pretty decent amount of uh soliciting and this tends to be more along the telemarketing lines are uh trade associate or I'm sorry uh labor related associations and one of the ones that we get a lot of calls about uh, our police and fire-based organizations where they're yes. asking you to give money. They usually call around dinner time. Uh, they want you to donate mm -hmm. to, to help the police or the fire department. And then you find out when you ask questions, which uh, just a side note, if you if you ever get those kind of calls, tell them to send you something. Don't mm -hmm. give over the phone. Just say, send it to me so you can look into it. Because a lot of times you're going to find out once you start looking at the materials and you flip it over and you look at the fine print, you're going to find out that the person that called you was a professional that was for a for-profit company that kept or keeps a pretty good portion of them proceeds. Uh, if you want to give directly to your local police department, go for it. I'd call them and ask who to donate to. Uh, same thing with the fire department. It's just best 
you get unsolicited phone calls and it's it's really random like that there's usually not a lot of good that goes along with it and we always say take a step back and uh, i think one of the biggest hallmarks of a charity scam is going to be this idea that it, you need to give right now the reason why they want to push you and pressure you is because they don't want you to think uh, the more pressure they can lay on you and and walk away with that money they're not planning on getting a donation every year from you they just want the money then and there and they'll walk away and you'll never hear again from them uh, if it's a real legitimate group a good organization is going to want to educate you they're going to want to bring you in and they're going to want you to donate more than once uh, donor education it keeps you it keeps donors there year after year after year so a lot of scammers and uh, not so good operators, some unethical types out there uh, will push you without giving you a lot of information. They'll just pressure you to donate and they'll give you sob stories. They'll show you horrible pictures and do stuff like that. But there's a lot of emotion and very little fact. And that's what you, you need to have as a red flag. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I hear about in the news, you know, every, um, around a certain time of the year, you start getting these warnings about particular charity scams. So like, uh, like around Christmas time. So, so what type of, um, <clears throat> what type of scams, um, do you, do you find that you, uh, get most complaints about in your office? Most of the complaints, and to be honest with you, we do not get a ton of complaints on charities themselves. We do get a pretty decent amount of calls when it's connected to junk mail, uh, a lot of mail that comes in, and telemarketing. With the, with the junk mail that comes in, and this will happen a lot if you have uh, older people in your family that want to, they, you know, they have some disposable income or they have some money saved up. They want to do good. They want to help. They want to donate and they give to one organization that sent them uh, a solicitation piece by mail. And then all of a sudden you find out that this person, their name's been sold to several other not so great charities and uh, they're bombarding them with solicitations all the time. So we get complaints on that where people wanted to be, be removed from uh, mailing lists. Uh, a lot of times you give to one of the bad guys and they share your name with everybody. A lot of them are connected entities they're all connected together and uh, they end up just all of a sudden you're getting uh, a deluge of of junk mail we had uh, one individual uh, elderly man that would come into our office uh, about once a month with a mail bin full of of letters i'm not kidding you he had to be getting three or four a day and uh these were all organizations if you did research on them you'd say I probably don't want to donate to that one. Maybe I should pick somebody else because you look at the numbers, you look at how their money's being used and it's like, yeah, that's not so great. Uh, so he would come in and, and we just told him, we implored him, please do not donate. Don't donate. Let us look at it first and then we'll tell you. And uh, we got a lot of uh, information from, from that particular gentleman because he'd bring in the stuff that we couldn't otherwise get. But it gave us a really good uh, snapshot or our idea of, of how people are being approached and in some cases manipulated by uh, these mail houses and uh, entities that you just don't want to give to. Uh, the other one that we get complaints on is going to be telemarketing and kind of like what I said before, they're going to call around, you know, uh, dinner time. 
I guess now you can call anytime since so many people are, are working from home. Uh, but yeah, around dinner time, they want you to, they usually start out with, um, you know, do you support local police and fire protection and, and all that good stuff? And uh, most people are not going to say, no, I don't support that. They're going to want to, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, and that's how they kind of rope you in and start uh, then working with you to uh, see if they can get you to give them some money over the phone. Uh, best bet or best uh, advice I can give you is to say, why don't you go ahead and uh, mail me something? If they don't want to mail you something, then that's a red flag right there. There's a reason why they don't want you uh, educated on what they're doing. Uh, another thing, good resource for just everybody is the Internal Revenue Service actually posts tax forms online. So if you look up uh, like just IRS tax exempt search, uh, you can actually look up a tax form for a charity on mm -hmm. the IRS website and it'll go through how much money they spend uh, in salaries, how much is spent on programs, how much is spent on fundraising, administrative costs. And in there, you can see if there's somebody that's doing telemarketing for them, uh, you will be able to see what the entity's name is and how much money they're bringing in as a result of it. And uh, unfortunately, some of the, the worst cases out there, they're keeping you know upwards of 90% of the money and it's not going to any of the, to the charity itself. On top of that, the charity itself, uh, it's using the word charity on very loosely. Uh, a very small portion of the money actually goes to help anyone. And right. that's, uh, but I, I do want to clarify that is few and far between. Uh, we warn people about these things. In St. Louis in particular, the vast majority, 99.9% .9 of our charities, our local charities are great organizations. Uh, they do awesome work in the community. We would not be where we are without them, but uh, it's there's a small percentage that's out there. Very few are even locally based. The the scam and the unethical types that we're talking about are usually going to be based somewhere else, and they kind of pop in the area, kind of hit and run. You know, they don't want to they don't want to get too much uh, interest from law enforcement, so they hit an area fast, and then they move on to somewhere else, and they hit that area and move and hit and move and hit and move. And that's, that's the way they run their game. Hmm. Okay. I, I have a question. Uh, sure. What is the uh, best definition for charity fraud? For charity fraud. So there's what we deal with at BBB is a little different than what law. <laughs> with. So a main focus of what we deal with is ethics and what's right and what's wrong. Okay. If you were to go buy a car and the salesman lied to you a bunch uh, and you went and you bought the car anyway and signed the papers and you went home and you decided, you know what, this isn't good. And uh, it was a month later and you filed a complaint with uh, various legal offices or talked to an attorney. Mm -hmm. The attorney would tell you you're out of luck. There's you can't you can't really do anything. Right. We would process a complaint in that situation where we would say, OK, there was if you're if you're alleging lying uh, and misleading tactics, misleading sales tactics, then um, we would process the complaint. Now, um, it is a he said, she said kind of situation, but the yeah, way yeah. that we look at it and a lot of good businesses would look at it is uh, if they had an employee that was out there doing that kind of thing, they'd want to know it. And if you see a pattern of this occurring over and over and over, that's something an owner or a manager of a business would certainly want to be aware of. So uh, that would be part of the complaint process. 
in general, fraud type allegations would be out and out ripping people off, doing uh, soliciting money. The most common charity one would be asking for money and then not doing anything with it, but putting it in your pocket. That's most common thing you're going to see. Typically, those kind of outfits are going to be very small. Uh, they're going to be kind of the hit and run type uh, outfit. They're going to be door knocking, um, maybe standing at stoplights, things where you don't have a chance to really do any research and find out what an organization's all about um, because it's just going to be a real quick interaction. But they don't do anything with the money, but keep it. Um, that would be probably the most common outright fraud. Not something we see a whole lot of. People are pretty vigilant now. And I think uh, now that we have, everybody's got a super computer in their pocket, you're usually going to uh, look at some things before you, you make a rash uh, decision. Sure. But that would be your more common one. Um, beyond that, I think one of the, the more common would be on, more unethical than it would be uh, fraud for the most part. It would be uh, just, okay, for fraud... For the unethical side, I would say it would be misrepresentation of what they do, not spending enough money on their programs. Uh, when we're looking at programs, we look at uh, at least 65% of the money goes to programs. So all of your expenses, at least 65% needs to go to programs. That's not a huge, that's not a high mark. 65%, uh, I've had people ask, why is it so low? The reality is, one, 65% um, is that threshold is to, if you're below that, something's probably wrong. And if it isn't something that can be explained by like natural disaster or let's say COVID for this, you know, what we're dealing with now, uh, then something is definitely wrong. Uh, so you want to make sure you're hitting, you're hitting those marks there. And uh, so we look, we look pretty close at those things, but that would be kind of probably the most unethical uh, problem. The fraudulent side, again, sound alikes, uh, impersonating charities, uh, if you get somebody that calls you on the phone and they say, hey, we're from the uh, so-and-so with cancer or whatever, look the name up because uh, you don't know if that's actually the organization you think it is. You may know the American Cancer Society. You've heard of them. You've seen their uh, advertisements. You've, you, you know they're a reputable organization. But a lot of scammers will use a name that sounds similar to well-known established organizations. And then you donate to them and... You never find out what happens. It's gone. Um, I think one of the reasons we get a little problem, we don't get as many complaints with charities as once people give, that's, uh, you don't really have another interaction with the organization for a while. So you may not find out that, hey, I gave to a, a the wrong uh, cancer organization right. until you do a little research or you see something on the news. Okay. Did you have another one? So uh, on the actual fraud side, or uh, if, uh, if if there turns out to be an investigation, uh, what's the conviction rate and, and what do they do? Yeah, you know, it's uh, a lot of times when we see the fraudulent activity occur, that at that point we turn around and we say, look, this is something that we think needs to be, uh, had some eyes on it by law enforcement. So we'll send it over to, uh, whether it's the local police department, it kind of depends on the size of it or the attorney general's office. And in some cases, other entities get involved as well. Uh, we really leave it up to them to act. A lot of times, just because of resources in general, when it comes to law enforcement, 
uh, there's going to have to be a good amount of victims. There's going to, it can't be just a little tiny, you know, somebody took 10 bucks from 10 people. I you doubt you're going to see a lot of activity from the attorney general's office on that, but you might see something from local police department for, uh, for fraud there. So it kind of depends on the situation. I know if the attorney general's office does get involved in investigating and, and uh, going after a charity, if you see something in the news about the, the them suing a charity for something, mm-hmm. they got them for the most part. They're they're not gonna they're not gonna go after them if they don't know that they're going to get a, a win. So, um, I'd say to answer your question, pretty high. If if they if they're charging, then it's going to be pretty high. Okay, great. We discovered. Um, um, online uh that there was a oh, you're familiar with black lives matter right sure so there's a black lives matter foundation and uh <laughs> I, when i first saw it i'm like oh okay you know this must be them and then i went and i dug into it i googled it and looked turned out that they were totally separate it had nothing to do with them in, in fact these guys were trying to kumbaya with the police sure <laughs> i like Wow, that's crazy. I wonder how many people they've actually taken money from with the uh, wrong impression. Exactly. You know, that's that's why it's so important to get the specific name. And uh, the other the other side of that is if you are approached, whether it's somebody knocking on your front door or calling you on the phone, mm-hmm. ask for something that you can look at and take the time to make a decision because. Uh, uh, you know, you, you see the big the big words, and uh, it's kind of like advertisements. The fine or the the big bold print gives you everything, and then the fine print takes it away. So you want to make sure you really read through everything. Uh, and in those cases where you have organizations that are trying to sound like a well-known organization, you see that happen pretty regular with uh, mm-hmm. uh, throughout the country. Whenever there's, uh, like, let's say a, a police officer involved shooting or uh, a natural disaster, where you'll have sound alikes come in and try to, uh, you know, uh, horn in on some of the money because uh, they have a name that sounds similar or sounds like something that would be supportive of uh, victims. And you end up finding out that they will not in any way, shape, or form uh, helpful. It was just helping them line their pockets. Right. Right. Go investigate. Definitely. So I don't know, maybe a few years ago, I felt like um, there were a number of large charities that got their hands slapped because of uh, their um, ratio of what's going towards uh, helping out and and what they're they're using for operating costs. so has that has that so you had mentioned that um that is it's they'd have to take from a lot of people in order to 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 draw attention um and the only way to recognize is from complaints do you take any proactive measures uh, when you see charities that could possibly be, you know, double dealing or not um, doing what they should do. Yeah. 
Yeah, and just to just to clarify, when when we were talking earlier, we were talking more of law enforcement and conviction and what what actually would go through a court. BBB uh, again, because we aren't law enforcement, we don't we don't sue uh, somebody into submission, so to speak. We what what our method is, if we see uh, a scam going on or unethical uh, operations, or we see a pattern of complaints. Um, we will alert the public to that fact. We we issue news warnings where we'll we'll go to the organization or the business and say, hey, this is what we're getting as far as allegations go, or this is the pattern of complaints. And what are you going to do to fix it? If they ignore us or decide, you know, we're not going to do anything. Well, at that point, it's time to let the public know that you would probably be in it would be in your best interest to avoid doing business with this entity. And we put it back out to the public. Um, BBBs in general were created as uh, for self-regulation. It was the whole idea was uh, business owners kind of banded together to spotlight the bad guys back in the early 1900s. You you came, they all came together, and there would be traveling salesmen back then that would come in and rip everybody off and leave. Well, when they ripped everybody off and left, nobody had money to buy from the legitimate businesses anymore. So. Uh, that's why the, that's the whole idea behind the uh, the BBB and self-regulation. So when we do see uh, scams like that, we push that information back out. We get it out to the news media. We do interviews whenever we can, uh, whether it's TV, radio, um, you name it. We're we're trying to out, get out there and really push that information to let people know. Uh, and it has a bigger impact now than it ever has really, um, even though because you're seeing. Uh, a lot of different mediums that are being used to push information out. And then once something hits the web, it's there forever. And uh, that's that's a good thing. You Google, you have a bad uh, experience with a charity, you um, you tell the Better Business Bureau, you, you complain to whoever. If a warning comes out from us, if somebody Googles that organization's name, our, our release is going to be pretty high up on the results. So somebody's gonna see that uh, and it, it's in their best interest to fix unless their their goal is just to take money and, and walk. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's what we do. And I would say when we look at patterns, um, we have to see it, that it's a common that it's common and it's going on over and over and over. When we start being a, a more proactive role would be when we get allegations that come in from uh, sometimes it's uh, competitors. Sometimes it's uh, individuals that worked at uh, a place. Um, sometimes it's people that just say, hey, I heard this. Uh, we do take those kind of uh, insider tips and we'll look into them. And a lot of times that means digging through tax forms and trying to figure out exactly mm -hmm. what money's going where. And if we find that somebody's in the area soliciting uh, our local donors and it's a ridiculous amount of money that's actually going to their programs. Yeah, we'd we'd be proactive and issue a warning saying, "Hey, these people are in our area. Um, this is how much money they give to their programs. You make the call whether you want to donate to them or not." And that's how BBB gets its word out. Uh, we're not we're not per judging them per se. Uh, we're just letting people make a decision based off facts. Uh, if ten percent of their money goes to their programs, you know, do you want to give to them? Um, so that's that's kind of how we make people uh, understand and uh, educate them when they're 
in those situations. So we, we do definitely take some proactive measures. And then once that information gets out to the public, uh, depending on, you know, at that point, you may end up seeing a, a huge number of complaints come into law enforcement because, hey, I was also <laughs> with that guy. Or, hey, I, I saw them too, and I, I, I think something needs to be done. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, a, a huge number of complaints. If there's enough public outcry, though, there can get, you can get some action. So uh, there are a number of large companies um, that also have charitable foundations or, um, or a big, big dollar people um, who have businesses that also run charitable organizations. And so how do you, how does the BBB navigate that uh, situation because I'm, I'm guessing that the, the company wants to um, cozy up to the BBB to make sure that their ratings remain high and then then you still have an oversight of um, the the charitable uh, side of that business how, how does the BBB manage that situation yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's one of those we we have certain policies and procedures in place to ensure that we're uh, as unbiased as possible. You know, BBBs are uh, uh, for the vast majority of our support is through our accredited businesses and uh, membership dues. But with those membership dues and with that membership uh, or that accreditation through Better Business Bureau, those for-profit companies are required to sign a license agreement. They're, they're, they have to meet certain standards and they have to uphold these standards. And if they start slipping, then they will be uh, removed. I mean, we, we kick out companies all the time uh, for not following the rules, I guess you could say. So uh, we hold them, we hold our accredited businesses to a higher standard than we do other uh, businesses. When it comes to the charity side, it's gonna be the same kind of thing. We we if we have an accredited charity, we know that they've met specific standards. It's it can be a little bit different with the for-profit entity and their foundation. <laughs> a lot of times, you're seeing these for-profit foundation or um, um, nonprofit foundations of large businesses, but they aren't really uh, soliciting the public. They're not asking for donations. They're more of a a giving arm. So they they tend to be the ones that are granting money out than they are taking money in from the public. Our main uh, focus tends to be, uh, at least at the BDB, our main focus tends to be the organizations that are out there asking people for money as opposed to the ones that are handing money out. Uh, so yeah, we have uh, we certainly have to make sure that we're, um, you know, uh, we're definitely not beyond uh, uh, following the rules ourselves. And we wanna make sure that everything's uh, definitely on the up and up. So. That's why we have those uh, accreditation agreements and you have to, no matter what, follow certain guidelines and you can't have a lot of complaints. You can't have government action. Uh, you can't have a bunch of lawsuits hanging over your head, uh, all kinds of stuff like that. So we, we do a pretty good amount of research before we allow the accreditation uh, just in general. So what you mentioned is that uh, you kind of gave me the impression that, that that, that a lot of the uh, the BBB offices are independent of one another is is that you know so what is yeah. the actual structure of the BBB 
So Better Business Bureau, we have um, an umbrella organization, the, the International Association of Better Business Bureaus. And under that umbrella is multiple uh, small, uh, in some cases, larger offices that are all BBBs. And they usually, it's all by ge uh, geographic area. You would look at, uh, you know, there's, uh, I can't tell you exactly how many in Texas, but there's a, a good chunk of BBBs in Texas. Uh, there's better business bureaus, like for for example, where this particular one in St. Louis serves out uh, eastern Missouri and southern Illinois. Uh, we cover spring. We have offices in Springfield, Missouri. We have offices uh, uh, over in Illinois, um, in Quincy. So there's a, we have a pretty good reach here, a pretty good size service area. Uh, and then there's some uh, offices that are even bigger than that uh, out you know, Phoenix area and things like that. But each of each office has its own uh, tax ID. It's got its own uh, EIN. Uh, they're separate 501c6s. Uh, kind of like if you were to look at United Way, for example, there's, there's a national body and then there's multiple uh, separate offices throughout the country. And uh, each of them has their own chief executive and um, uh, board of directors, board chairs, uh, things like that. So yeah, everybody's a bit separate, but because of that umbrella organization, we have certain uh, guidelines that have to be met. There's uh, reviews that have to be done on a regular basis by the, uh, the national body. So everybody has to be uh, operate their service area in a similar manner. And we have rules that we have to follow in order to, to stay as a BBB. So, so do they they share uh, they share a database? Because my my if you know if, if someone is a bad actor in the Midwest, um, you know if, if you're not sharing that data, they could go out to the the you know western half of the country and you pick right up and start doing what they're doing. So, how do they? Is there a central database that they all share? So everybody has their own uh, database. And then yes, there is where it's funneled into uh, one spot at one, at, so somebody can go in and check uh, records and information that way. Uh, so there is a way, yeah, if you start, and you're right, a lot of times we used to see this pretty regular when, uh, you know, before, and this is dating me, but before uh, everything was online, you could, you had to do a lot of digging uh, and research when you were doing investigations and, um, you know, we'd, we'd end up following and calling and we go through three or four different states where we found the person had been operating and stirred up enough uh, trouble that it he decided it was time to leave and move on to the next state. Uh, so yeah, the way this is set up, we're able to track really quickly and we can see uh, complaints before. What we would do is find out what states they were in, uh, what allegations were out there, and then we'd start calling uh, specifically those BBBs and asking for their records if they had anything. Uh, but now, yeah, it's much more streamlined. Everything's funneled uh, into uh, one endpoint, and then uh, it makes it so much easier. And and honestly, if you go to BBB.org and do a search on a company, you're going to have uh, access to something very similar. Anybody else? Any questions? I think I am text out. Uh, I got a lot of information there. but Absolutely. Uh... Sounds like a really uh, complex organization when you look at all the different locations and, and, and aspects of how they correlate with one another. Yeah, 
Yeah, there's uh, you're dealing with an organization that's you know over 100 years old. It's uh, got a, a lot of history to it, and I think one of the reasons why you see so many separate locations uh, is because everybody has every area has a certain way of doing business, and if, <laughs> if you do a lot of traveling, everybody's so different. You know, the way people act in the southern part of Texas is a little different than the people that act how they act in the Eastern part or, you know, West coast compared to East coast, that kind of thing. And I think it's important to have a very, a big presence uh, or a very local presence okay. in order to take advantage of that knowledge. Uh, you know, I think it'd be crazy to think that eventually there isn't going to be, you know, everybody's morphing into one giant uh, entity who knows, but uh, it's certainly right now, the way it is, is uh, each is individual. And uh, I think, especially some of the uh, smaller service areas, they're very proud and they're, uh, they love having the, uh, the uh, uh, you know, the kind of the local connection that they can go to. Yeah. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, so I, I, so the Better Business Bureau gets its funding from the accreditation. Um, yeah. So the accreditation yeah. kind of uh, gives a business um, credibility that they've been vetted as far as uh, their business practices and uh, treating their customers and society in, in a particular way. Um, and so, so far this has worked well, uh, but I can see that um, So, yeah, I'm trying to find a delicate way to, to, to dance around this one. I think, are you probably alluding to, you know, how do you, how do we ensure uh, that there isn't any kind of conflict of interest? And, That's one, uh, yes. Yeah, and it's definitely a valid question and certainly something that uh, uh, should be asked. And, and we look at it all the time because a lot of times perception is reality, even though it might not really be the truth. Uh, we have to make sure we understand uh, what people look at and see. And uh, one of the things that we have, we have a, a letter grading system that we use for our for-profit businesses. Now, accreditation on the charity side, they don't pay anything. Just throwing that out there so you know. Uh, if you meet all 20 standards on the charity side, you're accredited. So just this is a little different. On the business side, uh, there is a fee for accreditation. And accreditation allows for among other things, which uh, different uh, uh, resources that we, we give and um, all that good stuff, the use of the logo, our seals and, and things like that. Uh, if an organization or a chair, or pardon me, a company comes and wants to be accredited, uh, yet with the fee, they, they do have a membership agreement or an accreditation agreement they have to sign uh, and they have to agree to certain things. We, we review advertising uh, all the time. Uh, one of the biggest fears we would have is the local news does a story about a scam artist and they walk in and there's a BBB seal somewhere. That would, you know, that's not what we want to have happening. So we have to make sure <clears throat> if we're allowing the use of our likeness that these entities are going to be, uh, up, go above and beyond and be ethical organizations and, and ethical companies. So 
uh, certainly something we we have to deal with all the time. That letter grade that we use, it, it takes into fact uh, or into account how long somebody's been in business, uh, if they have any complaints, what's the volume of complaints, the size of the business, you know, how much revenue they're bringing in, uh, how many employees. So there's a lot of factors that go into that letter grade, none of which is accreditation or not accreditation. So you can have an A plus and not be accredited. Uh, that's you know not something that's taken into consideration. Uh, that's one of the things that we do to make sure, like, hey, uh, you know, we we accredit organizations whether or not they uh, are we we give you an A plus whether or not you're accredited or not. So we just make that a very uh, very clear to people. Okay. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it's something that's always going to be a question. I think just the, na the nature of the beast. Uh, but it, again, is uh, the whole idea about uh, what we do and why we do it is <clears throat> regulation. It gives industries, you know, when we have hailstorms come through and uh, all of a sudden there's all these storm chasers around, then uh, our, our roofing accredited businesses come to us and say, hey, there's a bunch of people from, I don't know, two states over that are, are you know, mm -hmm. take business away from us. Right. Uh, so we start digging into these storm chasers and making sure that they aren't bringing a bunch of complaints along with them. Uh, these are the things, it's all about the, the idea of that self-regulation. And that's, well, so for me, the, the self-regulation, uh, I think is, is beneficial in a society where people um, honor, um, have honor, they have, dignity they have self-respect and they and they want to so self-regulation is a good thing sure. um the thing that i guess that i'm uncomfortable with about self-regulation is that far too often we see companies um that will pollute so they 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 will pollute they will um I remember when uh, Best Buy first came into the St. Louis market. Best Buy used the bait and switch when they first got here. That's how they established themselves in St. Louis. They would, um, they would advertise a product for $9.99. You get to the store. We don't have that product. But we do have this one for twelve dollars and fifty nine cents, and and that allowed them to establish themselves in the market before they went legit, basically. So they started then um, doing things in a in a more forthright than upright manner, and so so while I think uh, you know self. Um, Doing things on an honor system is great. Um, as long as there's honor. As long as there's honor. And so, and so I guess my only concern is, um, so we've been hit with the worst, pen, uh, worst economic situation ever. Um, how do... How do businesses move forward from here? Because the opportunity to um, try to cut corners 
try to ignore their honorable ethic or their ethical um, responsibility is going to be greater. So the so the the Better Business Bureau is actually more needed, and it would be it would be nice to to make to for them to be you know definitely proactive in ensuring that those businesses are living up to the ethical standards by which they agreed to. Definitely. Yeah, I think uh, we are. These are unprecedented times. It's it's something, you know, that happens every, what, 100 years? Uh, it's just, it's, it's wild that it's happened. Uh, one of the things I think that we are, one of the trends that we're seeing is that there, there is an expectation from, um, and these even younger consumers, uh, as they get younger and younger, when we start looking at the, the general age of uh, who's buying what, there's an expectation that you can't just be uh, a slash and burn business that you just want to make money hand over fist and that's it. There's an expectation that you give back some. There's an expectation that you care about the environment. There's an expectation that uh, you care about diversity and things like that. I think that's becoming more important to uh, the average consumer. So I hope that that is something that uh, you know, it, it gets integrated into the whole idea of self-regulation. But uh, I think we, we may see a different type of business as time goes on. Uh, one that's a little more connected to uh, their communities and uh, you know, there's there's always going to be people out there that are just trying to make a buck, but I think if you want to look at entities that are planning on being around for a while, you're going to have to make people happy, and by doing that, you're going to have to give back to your community. You're going to have to make sure you're diverse. You're going to have to make sure you're doing things other than just making money off them. All right, Jim. I, I think we have taken up quite a bit of your time, and I really do appreciate you coming in and speaking with us. Um, sure. I do, I do think that the uh, mission of the BBB is a, a very val a valuable one with great honor. Um, Self-policing self um, allows for, uh, I don't know, greater trust. And so hopefully um, that your, your, your role will expand and not shrink in our society. Anybody else have any other questions before I, I kind of get us out of here? Uh, I don't have any. All righty. Again, thank you, Jim. I really appreciate it. Sure. Maybe we might no, have I... you back for another show. Anytime. I appreciate you having me on. It's always good to, to talk. I hope I didn't talk too much. Not at all. Not at all. All right. Good information. Good stuff. Well, gentlemen, have a great rest of your weekend and um, take care. You also. Goodbye. That concludes this thank you very much, sir. Altitude adjustment. And thank you for listening. This podcast is streamed live on YouTube and twitch.tv and is designed for listener interaction. Visit the website, the lion's den stl.wixsite.com forward slash home to join the discussion. The audio version of Altitude Adjustment is available where you get your podcasts, including Stitcher.com, the iTunes Store, and the Google Play Music Store, to name a few. Remember that the internet is powered by your likes, shares, and comments. 
So please like, share, and comment on this and other episodes of Altitude Adjustment because it matters. And as always, look out for the other guy because they may not be looking out for you.